it's different than it was. It, it is. And I've had to tell other women to not be shy talking about it. I was writing something and I shared it with my husband. It was very detailed, you know, about our sex life. And he's like, who's going to read this? And I said, well, <laughs> hopefully everybody, you know, and he goes, what? But I wouldn't have done that 10, 15. I don't even know if I'd have done it five years ago. But I think that it's really important to communicate. And that's what I talk to a lot of the women about that reach out to me because sex is not necessarily a pleasure to them. And a lot of things, times it's something to, to get done with and just a chore to be done with because it's not comfortable and it can be very painful. And there is not a libido and to really focus on that area of your body and make that part of your get ready for bed at night routine. I make fun of the fact that I used to just get away with brushing my teeth and now I've got to like oil and lube <laughs> and re-oil and reapply all the time, all areas of my body, just kind of the way it is. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN, a girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything, someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. So our guest on The Girlfriend Doctor Show today is a journalist, an award-winning journalist, an author, and veritably a champion of women in midlife and menopause. She has had two decades in front of the camera and 13 awarded Emmys. She hosts a weekly podcast called Coming Up Next, interviewing thought leaders and celebrities about embracing your next chapter. She founded Take Flight Productions, which has developed several media projects, including a weekly syndicated entertainment show, two podcasts, and currently co-producing a documentary on navigating menopause. She has a long history uncovering stories that inspire others. She is an inspiration, and today she'll share her journey, solutions, and commonalities that so many of us will, will experience and have experienced, as well as have in common. So I'm excited to share with you Tamsin Fidel, who is a strong voice in the menopause world and also a authentic authentic leader and a very lovely women, woman. I know you will enjoy this conversation today. Welcome Tanzan to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. It's great to have you here. Oh, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much. I um, enjoyed meeting you in New York City and share with our audience that I was in New York City for a conference and emailed Tamsin and was just so inspired by what she's doing. And we met up for a great Italian dinner yes. near your news radio, news station, TV station. Yeah. And it was just a lovely experience, a lovely time to connect with a like-minded person. And you shared with me a bit of your personal journey. And I would love for you to share why you're so passionate about menopause and a bit about your journey. Yeah, I always say if anyone had told me I'd be doing this five years ago, I would say like, no, no, you got the wrong girl. You know, it was it was several years ago now. And I was in the studio and it was 1030. It was a Friday night. I remember it. I don't remember very much these days, but I definitely remember that. 
it was 1030. We were in a commercial break right before we did a business segment every night. And I got, you know, that feeling that I've now learned so many women understand so well, a anxiety, a heart racing out of control, uh, not being able to like get it back into, you know, to beating right, uh, hot. And I had been having some issues during a lot of the show and and really leading up to it of seeing a word and not being able to, I I recognized it, I could see it, um, but I couldn't process or get it out of my mouth of the word was, you know, artist. I would look at it and I would try to phonetically remember what that word was to to process it, but it just wouldn't work. And I remember thinking like, gosh, is this age? Is this dementia? It's like, is, is there something serious going on? Am I drinking too much caffeine? You know, I, I gave myself a whole list of, of reasons. And I had been having that for the, the first kind of half hour of the show. And I just remember like, oh my gosh, I'm going to either fall off the stool or I, I don't know what's going to happen. So I said out loud, half joking, because I work in a, a studio of guys. And I said, if I fall, somebody catch me. And the sports anchor at the time said, wait, are, are you being serious? Are you, I think you should get off of the set. And so he, I remember he just like walked me, we have the, the stools that we have to, you know, kind of climb off of. And he helped me climb off of it and walked me to the bathroom. And I just collapsed on the floor and just laid there, like trying to just calm down my entire body, pull it off, calm it down. And I laid there with my face on the floor. And I, I still think like, did I really do Like, you know, when you know you're so desperate, it does, just doesn't matter what you do. And I'm sprawled out in my dress and I have my, my one of my boss came downstairs, you know, so two guys standing over me like, are you okay? And I thought, I don't know what I don't know what is going on. And that was, you know, that was like that moment that you have where you say that I need to take control of what's happening in my life. I had no idea. I had not talked about menopause with anybody. And I was still bleeding because I have endometrium polyps. So I never had the like, hey, I've gone 12 months without my period. I was bleeding all the time randomly. So I assume that was just a irregular period. And um, I started doing really deep dive research into what was happening. You know, I've been a journalist for the, you know, 20 plus, almost 30 years now. And that's all I know how to do really is ask a lot of questions. And that's what I did. And I went from one doctor to the other doctor. I I did a a blood test where they showed me, you know, what my levels were. A doctor finally said to me, uh, in menopause, any questions in my patient portal? And, And I thought, what the heck? what do you mean? Do I have any questions? Like, like when, when did I get menopause? So, you know, that's kind of where it happened in full circle. I'm the one now telling women, Hey, it could be menopause. So that that's my story. And I, and I don't, now I've learned it's not so unlike so many other women out there around the world, really. Yeah, it wasn't the hot flash. It wasn't the night sweat. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it was this mm-hmm. anxiety and the forgetfulness, right? The, Ugh, the memory lapses. And especially and heart, we, my heart racing heart palpitations. Ah, And that is that is very, very symptomatic of menopause. And I think that's where, well, how old were you when all this was happening? I was when it started, uh, I keep losing track of years, right? I think I was I was 47 or uh, I think I was 47 years old, because it happened in November, right before my birthday. Right before and, I turned 48. Yeah. And your doctors were never like, okay, look at these signs and symptoms or never. let's consider some hormonal therapies or intervention or detox never. or any of that. And I had not been on birth control for years. And I had two surgeries to get polyps removed and never was perimenopause or menopause talked about. Two surgeries. So, and those were leading up to probably three and two years before that. I had yeah. two, uh, surgery a year, year apart. 
So the journey yeah. into menopause, really recognizing that these symptoms, atypical symptoms are really typical symptoms, yeah. and they lead us into, you know, surgeries and, you know, anxiety and mood issues, relationship issues. And I'd love to hear because you are an amazing journalist, and you have a great way of asking questions and then responding. And so I remember reading a book by Paolo Coelho, and it was Veronica Decides to Die. I mean, it's a great book, you guys. It is such a good book. And so it's this woman at 50, I think she's at 52, and she's having heart palpitations, anxiety attacks, and she's put into basically a psych hospital. And I was like, oh my gosh, those are just menopausal symptoms. Those are menopausal. Someone give her progesterone. And I'm thinking as I'm right. reading the book, it's such a good book. And it's these, these symptoms that are from the, the neurologic consequences of the hormonal changes and not beyond the reproductive hormones. So what were some surprising things you found out during this journey? Oh gosh. I mean, one that I wasn't alone and the number of women that are dealing with it and the number of women that are dealing with it in the workplace. And that was really, that was a category I came into, you know, I don't come at it as a nutritionist or a fitness person or a doctor or, a, you know, any of those things I came at as a, as a journalist and somebody that was dealing with it at work and, you know, heading toward my fifties, which was a time where I didn't know that I'd still be working in television at the time, you know, like that there was a, a one point, I remember a mentor of mine years back saying like, you know, you're going to start to age out when you get 40, 45 years old in this industry, because they don't, they don't want you anymore in front of the camera and somebody younger comes in and replaces you. And that was always a, you know, something that I, I had kept in the back of my head. And now that is not the case. You know, that is not what we're seeing anymore. Thankfully, that's not the norm. Not that it doesn't still exist, but it's not the norm. And it's certainly not my norm, which I'm, I'm, I feel blessed about every single day. But I'm also aware that what comes with that time period is the intersection of menopause and midlife and just kind of finding meaning. But doing this in the workplace is, is not always easy. And so I yeah, I've interviewed a lot of people and I've interviewed a lot of women that have had to leave the workplace as a result of not one, having the support two not having the knowledge of what they're dealing with. And three, even if they have the knowledge of what they're dealing with, not knowing where to go to get help. And do you think that women like that industry standard of aging out after age 45 was because of these symptoms, the anxiety, the mood swings, the, you know, memory losses right. versus our, you know, our laugh lines and smile lines? Well, I, it depends on the industry, I think, honestly. You know, I've talked to a lot of people that are, you know, in front of cameras or in Hollywood that, you know, would say it's the laugh lines. And then there are a lot of people that are not that are just simply saying it's because of age. But I do wonder if we went back and we had, and we don't have the data, but if we had the data to find out whether or not they were hitting that peak of not feeling confident, mm -hmm. that that's what it is, really. Mm -hmm. It's less about the brain fog and more about the lack of confidence that the brain fog brings. You know, when you go into a meeting and you can't remember what you're presenting or you don't know what you're saying on television or you're having a conversation with your boss and you, you know, lose your train of thought, that just smacks your confidence really hard. And it's, it's hard to recover from when it happens day in and day out and you don't know why. And you don't know why. And the burnout, the burnout from the sure. hormonal changes and not doing the necessary lifestyle changes, supplements, et cetera, that will enable us to breeze through menopause into the second spring of our lives. Right. And it's exhausting. It's it's exhausting to think about you're at an age where you're I, I look, I'm a, a lot more tired than I was when I was whatever age I used to be able to go out late at night have a couple of drinks, eat a disgusting, you know, huge <laughs> fattening meal and wake up the next morning at 630 and go to the gym. Like, 
if I, if you told me I had to do that this weekend, I would say like, please don't make me. So, you know, I, I think that it's the exhaustion in, in so many ways. And, and I also think it's the fact that I don't know, you know, I think we get, we get to be a little, we feel a little more vulnerable as we age, you know, yeah. we, we just do. I think one of the things that I'm definitely seeing is this corporate awareness now of menopause or midlife transition and a general desire, maybe not again in all industries, but some industries, especially women like industries or companies that have women CEOs as their head. Mm -hmm. And I've seen them, you know, reach out to me, ask questions. What can we do for our employees? How can we, you know, put like, for example, Keto Green 16 as an employee program? How can we do those things to help our clients without creating a stigma? That, that is the big, you know, it's, it's, there's always the other side to it, right? Right. And that is the issue is that you don't want to have that stigma of, um, Hey, I'm getting a lot of menopause support. And then, Hey, she needs menopause support. Right. Right. You know, that's, 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 that's tough. Yeah. And so this like transforming this time period into recognizing that we're going to be having a whole nother level of energy, intellect, wisdom, Mm -hmm. insightfulness, intuition that we can definitely use in the second half of our lives, bringing that to be what menopause means versus hot flashes, mood swings, she's losing it, or, you know, she's angry, it's got to be her hormones, right? She's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I've heard that that joke way too many times to, to find it in any way funny. Right, right. I always say, you know, when it talks about mood disorders, like bipolar, is it bipolar or hormonal? You know, it's really there's that hormonal component to that. Yeah. And so in bringing it into the workplace, what do you think would really help women midlife 40s, 50s, 60s? Look, I think at the end of the day, the the, where where I think the stigma could could go away, and I'm not an expert on on this at all, but I think that a sense of community gives you confidence and gives you purpose. And I think if there is that sense of community there, it just feels better. I know uh, myself when I started speaking out about it, and I had you know I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. I bit by bit have one woman after another, just within my you know small workspace, come up to me and say like. Hey, I think I'm going through this. Can you help me out? Hey, I shared your Instagram with somebody. Hey, you put a author on there. I shared their book with somebody. So that sense of community is being built. But I, I think that every one of us needs to be an advocate for ourselves and then for the woman that's standing next to you or the woman that's coming up behind you. Oh, I love that being an advocate for ourselves and the women around us that uh, my friend JJ Virgin always says the rising tide floats all boats. And it, does. it is it's so true. And so also, there's that acceptance, that acknowledgement and that grace, and that grace knowing that we're going to go through men are going to go through their andropause time period. Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. can we now you know, where physiology affects our behavior, and how can we now improve the physiology, so that we can feel at home in our body and confident yes. in our body. So that's that one piece, the menopause in the workplace piece and that self confidence. So what are things you do to, in, you know, retain that charismatic self confidence? Gosh, I, w- I wish I had it all the time first. <laughs> but you know, I, I try, I try to make sure the, the biggest thing for me was uh, being educated about it. 
And then the second was having other people to talk to about it, you know, having somebody like you to reach out to and say like, Hey, I understand not as a doctor, but as a woman, you know, like, Hey, I understand. Hey, I've got some knowledge for you. The fact that I have people at work that are coming up to me and asking me questions all the time forces me to learn more so I can help them. You know, even if I know it, I want to make sure I know it double, right. To help somebody else. I'm, I'm sure you do that all the time. I'm working on a documentary right now to be able to to talk about it to women so women don't feel alone. Because when I when I looked around and I said, oh my gosh, one billion women around the world are gonna be in menopause and all of us feel like we're alone, that can't happen. Mm-hmm. And so that's really been a, a huge part of my advocacy. And I think that's what's given me confidence when I, when I go into the workplace. And I don't always have it. Some days I get on the air and I didn't sleep the night before. So my confidence isn't there. I can't do what I need to do, which is ad lib, you know, be able to talk off the cuff about a story. And I'm not, I don't feel as confident as I did maybe 20 years ago, but then I find strength in other areas. You know, I find, I find power in other areas for myself in terms of having life experience, in terms of knowing that at 52, I'm still sitting there next to somebody that's 20 years younger than me and can carry on a conversation and have a great time. And what I found recently, which I, I, I thought was interesting is that that competitive thing, and I had it, and I think we all had it when we were younger, has dissipated. Like it's, it's really not, look, I don't not look at somebody and say like, wow, she's beautiful or smarter or more successful. We, we just have that, but I don't have that. I want to be her and I won't be happy until I am. Mm -hmm. And that feels really good. And because it, that takes a lot of energy and it takes away a lot of power instead of giving yourself power. And joy, right? Joy, we say comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Yeah. And so in that, in this back to this workplace, do you see like specific things over and over again and, and with your interviewing key characteristics that impart a healthier transition, a more natural transition? What are some of those commonalities? I think what is interesting, I was thinking about what you said about stigma. I think that we lose that stigma if we start to build up things in the workplace where it's more about health and wellness early on than starting at 40. So you're not seeing every 40 to 45 year old woman walk into a conference room and have to learn about menopause. If you're seeing it being an entire community of generations, and that's why I'm encouraged by this space because I think it is intergenerational. Younger women want to learn about it for themselves. They want to learn about it to work with their moms. They want to learn, you know, mothers want to learn about it because they're going through it. So I think that that helps get rid of that, that stigma. And I think that's really important. And and to your question, I think there are a couple of different touch points that you can do. And, you know, you talk about it, you know, in so many different ways, not just from a clinical standpoint, but from the nutrition standpoint and the lifestyle and the fitness and the supplemental uh, part and and the power of community. I think all of those things are going to be necessary to come into a workplace to make sure that when we say work-life balance, it doesn't mean that you get two weeks off, uh, four weeks off a year. Work-life balance is going to mean that that wellness component has to come into the workplace in a very uh, fair way. A very fair way and inclusive way, because at some level, everyone's suffering or could suffer if we don't make those changes. And the earlier we can make them, the better. Uh, Tamsin, my daughter, who just turned 15, she we were in the car driving to school one day and she goes, Mom, I don't understand. I'm the only one of my friends that don't doesn't have problems with my period. And I was like thinking to myself, oh, yeah, you know, because we do things differently. We have a focus on things. She's out with her horses, which is, you know, being out in nature and grounding. But also, you know, I know when those the hormones are changing. And I'm like, okay, making you an extra mighty maca drink this on your way out. Yeah. Here's a, yep. you know, my harvest beef stew love, for dinner. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, 
It, I mean, it, it saved me. It saved me the yeah, combination of adaptogens. It's nothing I learned in medical school. It's nothing no. I learned in OBGYN residency, taking care of women and, and hormones. We basically put them on Prempro or birth control pills. And I yeah. removed a lot of uteruses until I realized that the uterus is just the victim of hormone imbalance. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. eliminate hysterectomies completely, but I was able to reduce them when I learned this combination between lifestyle medicine and supplementation and decrease, you know, balancing hormones and decreasing inflammation. If we just look at those two things, and I would say the third is supporting our adrenal glands, because our adrenal glands have to make up for our ovarian function and produce more DHEA so that we have more circulating estrogen and testosterone. And looking at those three things, if we address those three areas, we really help and very quickly can help this, the symptoms, the from the heart palpitations, mm-hmm. what is that indicating? Is that the mm-hmm. adrenaline and deficiency in magnesium or progesterone? Hmm, maybe, maybe let's try these things. Let's test for these things and right. optimize your body's ability to detox. So one of the things that I think that has helps with longevity and think about, okay, we want a quality of life, not just a quantity of life, but we want a quality of life that is enigmatic, that is just energetic and beautiful. And we maintain curious and this high quality, passionate life is the concept of Dr. Martinez talks about this in his psychoneuroimmunology uh, work. And he says a healthy self narcissism, that ability to like yourself, no matter what, like, so you're not comparing, yeah. well, that's, that, yeah. that's that person that I, you know, I like myself, other people like me, you know, that yeah. healthy self narcissism, like he calls it, I think that's an interesting way to put it. But that's a very common feature in centurions, people over 100. So yeah, absolutely. If that's not if like we've they been see in this, themselves, they see themselves and appreciate themselves and the mm-hmm. say the battle scars and the wounds and all of those good things that we've had by the time we get to the stage in our life, we've experienced some shit, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, we have. And then some. <laughs> and then some. And so with that building up that confidence, because oh my gosh, you guys check out Tams and Fidel's Instagram. There's one I there's so many and they're all good. But there's oh, one okay. where you're putting on makeup and talking about dating, you know, <laughs> you know, dating midlife. And I just love that one. So that Thank sense you. of being so authentic and real, like how do you get to that point? I thought about this morning as I was putting on my eyelashes and, you know, <laughs> putting my makeup on. That's I was fabulous. Like, Thank you. Oh, you know, it's funny. I didn't feel comfortable doing that for a really long time, to be honest with you. I put my makeup on before I went out the door. I grew up in Texas where, you know, my mom was like, she didn't go to the grocery store without her makeup on, you know. But I think, you know, it happened in my late 40s. It happened It happened only a few years ago. If you go back, Maybe a year and a half ago. If you go back and look at my old Instagram, everything was like filtered and, you know, blurred. I, I, would, I would go and I would like, there's an app that would like remove my line in here. Oh, I got to find that app. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, I know. It's called Facetune. But, but, you know, and now I'm like, I'm in my bathroom in a robe. Everyone's on my husband's like, did you put that on? You put that on Instagram? And I said, yeah, because... I just think the more, I feel like the more real I can be for other people, it makes me feel better for myself, mm-hmm. you know, because then I'm not hiding anything. Then I'm not covering something up. Then I'm not stopping myself from living because I'm afraid of what somebody else's expectation of me is or how somebody else is going to judge me. And, you know, 
I've not really, as a storyteller, shared my story so much because I've always interviewed other people. And so that was a you know, something I had to mount for sure. There was no question about that. But once I did, and then I realized it helped people. Like I got this beautiful email from um, somebody today and she just talked about how she needed help in the relationship space and dating in, in midlife. And and I had a matchmaking business years, years ago with my uh, ex-husband at the time. And um, so I'd written a couple of books about dating and I've always enjoyed that because I you know, we've, we've lived in a lot of different ways, right? Over the years, we have a lot of battle scars. And so it was always something that I felt comfortable talking about. And her, I woke up to her message saying, I'm like, oh my gosh, it brought me to tears. But I realized if you're helping one person and two people and three people, and I think that the, the menopause place comes the same way, you can't, you can't not be real, right? You're not going to help anybody by uh, being who they want you to be. The only way you're going to help people is being real. Mm, that is so true. So let's talk about dating midlife. Yeah. And you got married sure. not too long ago. Yes. No, I got married when I turned 50 in October. Yeah. Yeah. So how is how was dating different then than it was prior? Oh, what would gosh. you advise someone who's single and dating at 50? and beyond. Yeah. I, well, a couple of different things. You know, I think first of all, the nice thing is, is we don't have that clock on us that I think that a lot of us had when we were in our, you know, twenties or thirties of like, you know, I'm going to get married. I want to have kids. If I want to have kids, I want to do it in a certain way. I want to now I'm not saying that everybody has that anymore. Times have certainly changed, but people do still have that kind of clock on them. If they hit 40 years old or too old, you know, and to be married for the first time. And I, I don't look at it like that, but what I like about doing it in your fifties is it's just, it's very different. They don't have that clock on you. I also think that we understand commitment can come in a lot of different forms. And that's super, super important that commitment could be living with somebody or could be committed to somebody and not living with somebody or could be getting married. And so that, you know, relaxes us a little bit. And finally, I, I don't think we have the, I didn't have the list anymore. You know, I didn't have a list of like who my person was going to be this, that, that, this, he doesn't fit that. I don't know. Now he only fits five out of six. I don't know if that works. I don't have, I didn't have that anymore. And, um, and finally, I was at this age, I was looking for something different. And I think a lot of, a lot of people are, they're looking for somebody that, you know, fits their value system that they can do what they want to do with this in, the, in this next chapter of life. I mean, maybe you want to travel more. Maybe you want to live in another area. Maybe you want to not have a house when you want to rent now. Maybe you want to downsize. You've got to find somebody that fits those things. And I don't think that the person that fit my 25 year old or 35 year old self certainly is not the person that I married, you know, a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So letting go of those preconceived lists and notions. Yes. And Yes, it's so much more relaxing. So much more relaxing. And then how about sex post menopause, sex in menopause, sex post menopause, yeah. and finding like, what are, are people saying to you? What are some things that you've discovered about it? Well, um, I always say I was, I was a menopausal bride, because my poor husband, like, you know, I was like, this wild and crazy girl. And then, uh, you know, if we get married, like two years before, I'm like, uh, I'm in menopause, just so you know. You know, sex has been something that I have had to be very, very, uh, I had to communicate a lot about. And I had to talk about what I like, what I don't like, you know, where we're going with it, what what I want. And I, it's not being just like, you know, let's go, let's go out for a night, have some drinks and jump in bed. You know, it's it's different than it was. It, it is. And I've had to tell other women to, to, not be shy talking about it. I was writing something and I shared it with my husband. It was very detailed, you know, about our sex life. And he's like, who's going to read this? And I said, well, <laughs> hopefully everybody, you know, and he goes, what? But I wouldn't have done that 10, 15. I don't even know if I'd have done it five years ago. 
but I think that it's really important to communicate. And that's what I talk to a lot of the women about that reach out to me because sex is not necessarily a pleasure to them. And a lot of times it's something to, to get done with and just a chore to be done with because it's not comfortable and it can be very painful and there is not a libido. And to really focus on that area of your body and make that part of your get ready for bed at night routine. I make fun of the fact that I used to just get away with brushing my teeth and now I've got to like oil and lube <laughs> and re-oil and reapply all the time, all areas of my body, just kind of the way it is. Oh my gosh. Again, I love your authenticity around this. And Whoa. it's, it's, but it's true. I think, you know, that one piece, and I, I talk about this with, I say the ABCs of sexual CPR, reviving your sex life, my program, sexual CPR. And so A is accept where you are right now and like honor it, be grateful. Yep. We've got this amazing yep body, cathedral of our spirit, and, you know, accept where we are right now and what our desires are and recognizing too, where is that desire mismatch, communicating about that. The B is be present, be present. Yes. Don't be doing your to-do list, your grocery yes. list, all of those yes. carpool, all of those things that can distract <laughs> oh. us. And then we're not present during times of intimacy and C is 100%. communicate, 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 and communicate what feels good, what you want. Again, the desire mismatch or and and it can go both ways a female can have more desire than the, the her partner and just recognizing those pieces and how you're able to communicate in a positive way because there's no area that's more vulnerable to us in our lives than our sexual yeah. our sexual well, intimacy it's, it's the, it goes back to confidence again right it goes back to confidence but i i think for me it does anyway look when i feel sexy i feel confident when i don't feel sexy i don't period. Like that's, you know, I'm, I'm aware of that part of me. I like that sexy confidence, sexy yes. confidence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you say that so well. And so in working now, because you've blown up on Instagram, and you know, have been so good at communicating with people that in we're looking at this, this piece of, of desire and changes through menopause and solutions, what do you feel like are some of the, the key solutions or the key things that women really need to know to make this second spring of their lives just juicy? Yeah, I, well, I feel first of all, they just they need to know that that this is, you know, is a different time, but not a worse time. And I think that that's you know, that's what often happens, like the, the less than syndrome. And, and I, I just think that people, they need to see people that are thriving and not just surviving in this time. I also think that it's important, and I try to do this, is uh, show women how to go about their day, because I think actionables are so important. You know, it's easy to do something from 30,000 feet, you know, read something like, you know, eat healthy, do this, do intermittent fast, which is amazing, but then how to do it. I think those actionables are really important. I need those little kind of details to help me feel confident. And then I guess finally, it's like a continuing to educate themselves about what makes them feel important. Because once you give them actionables, they have to put it into play and see if it works. And so supplements and some answers on, you know, how hormones work, what hormones are, you know, what, what it all means and how it really can be impactful. I, you know, I just... I had to uh, change my hormones. I was telling you about this is that my body wasn't absorbing the estrogen and I was feeling crappy and thinking like, what, what now? Like I went on hormones. What now? After I finally, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to do it for a long time. I was afraid. And say and, why you um, were afraid too about hormone yeah, therapy. And, sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I was afraid because I didn't have the knowledge that I have now. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I always thought that, you know, estrogen equals breast cancer. My mother was diagnosed at the age of 45 with breast cancer and died um, at the age of 51, the, the age that I just I just passed. So that was always a very scary thing that just kind of, you know, it sits in the back. When you have a mother that dies of, you know, breast cancer and went through a, a double mastectomy, it, it just kind of is a cloud that sits over your life forever. And I couldn't escape that. And I was always aware of it. And I, but I didn't understand where my fear came from. And when I finally understood where my fear came from, which is a 2002 study that must have somewhere I, I heard or learned about or somebody told me, I, I couldn't even tell you where it came from but scared me. And so I always thought that hormones equaled, you know, a problem. And I've since found out that that is, you know, that that study had, a, you know, a very different beginning, middle and end. And uh, the headlines were very different, what came out of it versus what it was going in to look at. And uh, when I went on hormones, I was like, okay, all my problems are solved. But th the truth is, is that I had to continue to educate myself and just recently had to, you know, switch out some things. And, and hopefully I'm back on a path in the right direction. Uh. Yeah, no, it sounds like it, but it's also a journey, right? There's also, yes, we have to tweak it constantly. We can't be on one, you know, prescription for the rest of our life. There's that times mm -hmm. where we need to change things. And yep. I was talking with another person the uh, yesterday, and she was saying that her, her hormones were low, her vitamin D was really low. And I'm like, okay, yeah. you can't, your hormones will not work well if your vitamin D is really low. So that is one of those key lab tests that every mm -hmm. woman needs to know every woman a man needs to know and then how you know how can we naturally get more of it and supplement when we need to because right. for our hormones to work right. well that vitamin d level has to be up and often that connection's not made and then it becomes more important yes. to get sunlight morning sun evening evening sun you know uh, beach holidays and again whatever it may be so that's really important now what is a day in your life like a day in my life. Let's see. So I'm up, I'm up usually around eight o'clock when, you know, I, I hit an alarm once or twice, even though you're not supposed to, but I just do. And then I try to get to the gym by eight 30 or nine o'clock. And then, so that's morning. And then I work on this, you know, I work on menopause advocacy and what I want to try to do in this space and how to educate and uh, podcasts and interviews and meeting incredible women like yourself, which I just love. I do a lot of speaking events, you know, in this area of women's health. And then by one o'clock, one thirty, I'm getting ready for work. And two o'clock, I go to the um, studio. And then I anchor the four, five, six, and 10 o'clock newscasts. So yeah, about four hours on the air. And then the weekends are to just kind of chill out with my husband and walks in Central Park Saturday and Sunday mornings as much as I can. I love that. I yeah. love it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Because again, like how it can fit in, you know, how lifestyle is so important, how yes. that routine is really important that you're, you've got your sleep focus, you've got your movement focus, and somewhere in there, you're eating really good food. So let's talk about yes. in the girlfriend doctor platform, there's four key pillars, nourish, mm -hmm. shine, awaken and embrace. I'm going to ask you four yep. quick rapid fire questions. What sure. is your favorite food that really like lights you up when you like, this was your last meal. What would that be? Oh my gosh. The, well, I mean, I can give you the bad one and I can be the good one. Perfect. The good one I love is I, I love vegetables, but I love them with lots of olive oil because I'm Mediterranean. So lentils are my go-to lentils and spinach combined. Those are my, that's my go-to uh, for the healthy, for the is not that healthy. Is that in Jadara? Is that in Jadara? I think the 
Arabic well, word for it, but anyway, lentils it, and spinach. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Oh, that's right. Because we talked about this. We talked yeah. about our, our Middle Eastern. Yeah. And yes, pizza is my go-to. I have a, I'm a fourth <laughs> Italian, so I don't have any choice on that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And then shine. Like what is a skincare hack that keeps you feeling, looking, glowing, sexy confidence? You know, I love you know, experimenting all different kinds of oils and stuff, but I, I use olive oil on my face, actually. Mm. So that's my big one. And then before events, I dump my face in a, a bucket of ice. That's the other thing that I do to reduce inflammation. It's a quick, uh, it's a quick one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Goodness, Just go in that's... and out and in and out of the ice. Yeah. Before you put your makeup on. Woo. It's not comfortable, but it works. Oh, my gosh. Well, definitely. Yeah. Okay, that is one I had not heard before, but I think yes. that's a really good hack. That yes. is a really good hack. And then Awaken, what is a, a book you are reading or have read recently that is, you know, praiseworthy? Mm. I had a couple of those recently. I thought the um, names are going to escape me, but there's a daily meditation book. And I'm going to, I'm going to send you the, the uh, title of it, but it, it goes every single day. You know, it's like January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th. It reminds me of the old school book that was pink. I can't remember what they were called, but they were like when you were younger and this is you know, when you're grown up, but they're daily meditations that I've, I've had around for years and years. And every year I read, you know, I re every mm -hmm. night I read a page and every year I, you know, start back over again. So it's not new, but it's, it's been around for a while. I also have my menu pause book, by the way, in my kitchen. <laughs> uh, awesome. True. Awesome. True. Oh my goodness. Oh, you like the Mediterranean tabbouleh in there because I, I take out the cracked wheat and I put in. I love. Yeah. Yep. So, so good. And I, I, I can drink olive oil. It's so good. And yeah, olive oil so soap is another one that's also from the Middle East yes. that I love. I have Lebanese olive oil soap in my showers at our wash stations. Yeah. They're and wonderful. Then, intimacy. So this is the, you know, the embrace platform is what is something that keeps your intimacy, your connection tight? Like, what is something and sometimes I ask what's your favorite sexual position, you can answer that one too. <laughs> yeah, I you know, I, I think mine is, I don't get a lot of time, you know, during the week, I, I'm at work until 1130 every night, I get home and, I, you know, I'm tired. And I was like, like, the weeks doesn't. And I think it's that that Saturday of just reconnecting, getting to know the person again. You know, we, he and I, Ira and I get up in the morning, we're at the park, then we go to have, you know, lunch and we come back home and sometimes we'll take this like two hour nap. And those are, that's like an, that's intimate. That's the intimate time for me. And I, you know, look, it's definitely changed. It used to be like 2 a.m. on a Saturday. That'd be the most <laughs> intimate time. But I think that that reconnection and that communication is really important for me because that is a turn on to me. There's no yes. question about that. Yes. And that, that is the, is where my intimacy mentally needs to start now. Mm, you know, and that's yeah. it. There's a the physiology to that. It's that oxytocin for women. Mm -hmm. We get oxytocin through that, that connection, that reinforcement that we're yes. loved, cared about, you know, and beautiful. And then for men, the oxytocin makes them want to roll over and fall asleep. So there's two yes, contrasting things. So yes, that nap that with connection is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good. So I want to thank you so much for being a oh guest gosh, here. Oh my gosh, thank you. Doing everything you're doing, showing up. I can't wait for your documentary and your book that you're working on Thank to come you. out. How tell our audience how they can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, most of the time I'm on social media, uh, Instagram at Tamson Fidel, and you know we have newsletters that go out all the time, TamsonFidel.com as well, just to kind of keep you up to date on what's going on or any events that I might be speaking at, because I I love to 
you know, I love to have people come to those or at least if they're virtual to be able to jump in on them. And yeah, I would love to hear from you if you have questions or something new going on or new books. I mean, you know, I, I, I love women's stories and I love sharing them. Mm, and it shows, it shows. So you guys at Tamsin Fidel on Instagram and TamsinFidel.com. I didn't realize you had a newsletter. I'm going to sign up yeah. for that right now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm looking thank forward you, to you. it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing and your time here today. I want to thank all our listeners too. talking about menopause is important that we like what Tamsin said that we're in community, we lift each other up together, that we are empowered by each other's stories, journeys without comparison. And that concept is, you know, sometimes we hear, well, I didn't have any problem with menopause. So you may feel like, right. oh, well, I, you know, I'm thinking there must be something wrong with me, I must be broken. And that's not the case at all. But symptoms mm -hmm. are a signpost, symptoms are a guidepost to help you dig deeper, and keep looking for answers. It is never okay just to put a band-aid over it or to power through when you're not feeling intuitively that's yes. the right thing to do. So keep looking for answers and share your questions. We're here to answer your questions. So thank you guys for listening. Until next time.